Hey everyone, you're locked in to Nobody's Perfect, the place to learn from everyone else's mistakes so that you don't have to make those same ones. Oftentimes, other people's missteps are the best teacher, whether you're an executive or a job seeker, or pretty much anyone in between. For LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. Today, we'll center our conversation on interviewer errors. Yes, the people who run the interviews also make some mistakes, and to help us point out the miscues and determine better strategies for those asking the tough questions, we brought in Dawn Adams, president of HR Results. She stopped by to speak with us, and thank you for coming in today, Dawn. You know, to get the idea, uh, the people the idea of you know what you do, where you come from, your experience, just you know, briefly talk about your company and uh, what you've kind of done in the employment realm. Uh, well, I am a human resources and organization development consultant. I have over 20 years of experience in human resources and in organization development in a broad um, variety of different industries. I work with employees to deliver training, I do some executive coaching, and I help organizations of all sizes with other human resources types of functions. So that includes recruiting, um, training, um, handbooks, employee handbooks, HR audits, um, really a wide variety. Good. And, you know, in kind of coming to you and you had mentioned, you know, the ability to speak on a lot of different subjects. And this one stuck out to me only because there's so much information out there for people who are a job candidate and they go into the interview and they have all this information. So I was looking at more from the interviewer's point of view, you know, when they bring somebody in, what are they doing? What are they asking? So the, the first thing that kind of came to mind was as an interviewer, what are the key characteristics that you feel are, are important for that interviewer to have? An interviewer really needs to have patience. They need to be sure that they are patient with the candidates and that they are not trying to fill the gap or the silence when they're conducting the interview. They also need to be sure that they're a good listener, capturing what the candidate is saying, and also documenting what is said um, really verbatim. It doesn't mean every word, but they can't paraphrase. They need to be sure that they're documenting it so that they have a very clear understanding of the candidate's uh, skills and abilities and um, even their grammar. Okay, good. Obviously, as a candidate going in, you're thinking, okay, what are they going to ask me? So from the interviewer's point of view, what kind of mistakes have you noticed, experienced, heard about that the interviewers make with their actual questions? And, you know, I kind of given you some ideas there as far as, you know, phrasing or too easy, too general. Just what are the kind of those basic mistakes that an interviewer might make with their questions? I would say the biggest mistake is that the questions are not related to the position. So that could mean going down um, the road of asking something that's illegal, but it could be also asking questions that just don't seem to give any um, valid information that's going to help them to make a decision as to whether or not this person is a fit for the position. Sometimes they might ask questions that are not legal, such as those related to um, different protected categories of age, race, gender, those kinds. It could be that it's not based on a specific skill or competency. So when the interview is completed, the interviewer is not sure what to do with the information that they've received, even if the candidate answered the question well. Sure. Uh, along those same lines, I, another part I kind of jotted down was the idea of some of these canned questions, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Do you see those things as, as not having, I mean, that much weight to them? I mean, isn't there a better way probably to go about finding things out about somebody? There is a better way. The better way is really to ask behavioral-based questions. So to ask the candidate something very specific that relates to the position 
and to a competency that's needed in the position. So they could ask the person, um, tell me about a time where you needed to solve a problem and you weren't sure how to approach it. So what they're looking for then is what's the challenge? What's the action that the person took? Even what were they thinking at the time? Why did they approach the challenge in that way? Um, maybe what were they feeling? Were they frustrated? Were they angry? And then what were the results? And when did they use that type of approach again? And so when you're doing that, you're getting a real well-rounded view of what's the situation and not just asking something very general, such as what do you think of customer service? A better question would be, tell me about a time you had to deal with a difficult customer. What did you do? What was the outcome? How were you feeling? To really be sure that the person has the skills and that the skill is one that's going to transfer into the position. And with what you're talking about, it, it kind of touches on other parts there where doesn't that help you a little bit to dig deeper as opposed to just on the surface? Like, you know, what, what can you do? Um, you know, like you said, how do you handle the situation? But then finding out what exactly that meant. Um, I guess how important is it in your mind to be able to dig deeper and get not necessarily what just they did, but why, or like you, you mentioned, the feelings that they might have had in that situation? It's very important. Um, I have one specific example. When I was uh, conducting some recruiting services for a client, I talked with a candidate that seemed very strong, gave a great example of teamwork, talked about how he actually used his own vehicle on his own time to deliver something to a customer. So my initial impression was that this was someone who would really do anything that it took to get the job done, was a team player, um, really someone that we were going to bring in for a first round interview. When I took it to the next step and asked them how did they feel about doing that, they just really kind of bombed in this whole interview. <laughs> and they started to talk about how they were frustrated, they were oh. angry, they had to use their own gas. And so it showed me that they did whatever it took kind of because they felt forced into it hmm. versus feeling like a team player or someone who really had perseverance. Wow, that's that's a great example. Yeah, you, you like you said, on the surface, digging deeper was like, oh, that's great. You did what it had to take, but they didn't really want to necessarily. Right. And then kind of going back then to... The beginning of the interview. And when I say the beginning, I'm talking that first 5, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of so-called experts say that first impressions kind of set the tone and that there have even been some research to say that that first impression oftentimes is right or sometimes that impression, basically what the interviewer does is sit there and find ways to confirm what their first thought was. I guess just your thought as far as is that a common problem where that first impression just completely sets the tone and the interviewer almost can't be unbiased at that point? I guess just kind of your overall impression of that, of when the people first come in and interview, the thoughts, the feelings, and how that might affect the interview. I think the first impression is important, especially with professionalism and how the person um, is dressed and to be sure that they're dressed appropriately for the position or even kind of what we call one level up. But the interviewer needs to be open to changing their mind throughout the whole process. So, for example, the, the person who shows up in an in-person interview may come across very differently than if they conducted a first-round kind of a phone interview first. So with, with my earlier example, I felt that this was person, someone I was going to bring in. This seemed like a strong candidate mm -hmm. who had strong team skills. When I asked the question about how did they feel, about needing to take their own car and deliver something to the client, obviously they changed my opinion. So it's a matter of being open to just getting all the information, listening, and being open to 
gathering all that and not making a decision until it's all really considered and evaluated. Sure. So are there any kind of strategies or tips you would give to someone who is running an interview to avoid that first impression from really overtaking their, you know, overtaking their ideas, how they feel about the person so that, as you said, they can remain open. They can give themselves and the candidate a chance to to show that they're not necessarily good or bad what happened in those first few minutes. I always use a um, consistent, structured, kind of standard interview. I ask each candidate the same questions. I have a numerical rating for the different competencies, for the experience, um, for their knowledge or skills. And then at the end, you have a numerical rating that at least helps you to, to get a better idea of who is someone that um, is a strong contender versus who's a candidate that's um, certainly not qualified. So it's a matter of really being consistent and trying numerically to measure and balance people as far as how well do they fit that position. Now, from your personal experience, opinion, that gut instinct from that person right in the beginning, does it have any credibility to you? Do you think that you know, you can kind of let that dictate some of it. I mean, I guess what's the role? Because a lot of people obviously have very good intuition. So how much credibility, if any, can you put into that first 5, 10, 15 minutes? Um, I would would say you could put a little bit into it if it really seems like the person is just not a fit or um, very inappropriate or the culture is not going to be a fit. That's one thing. But otherwise, I'd like to go as far as I can through the interview Mm -hmm. so that I have as much information on the candidate and am able to compare them fairly with other candidates. One of the problems I've come across in talking with people is that in the interview, um, maybe the interviewer doesn't describe the position or the company or the expectations as well as the candidate would have liked. Uh, What kind of mistakes do you see that do occur when an interviewer is trying to give those ideas and expectations to the candidate? Um, One mistake that I see is that the interviewer is giving too much information to the candidate too early. So they might have the person sit down, come in, introduce themselves, make a little small talk, and then they will talk to the candidate, and the candidate might even ask, well, what what does success look like for this for this person? Can you tell me what are some of the key skills? And the interviewer is so excited about the position or so excited about filling the position, they give so much information that now the candidate has all the information they need to kind of give them their own information back. Right. So they'll say, oh, well, the skills that I have, and they'll just really repeat back what they've already heard. <laughs> so that's that's sometimes a mistake or overselling it overselling it and making the position sound like it's more than it is. A very common mistake is making the future sound like more than it is to say, well, after you're in this position for a year, you might be able to do X, Y, Z. We might promote you. We might move you into a management role. Both the interviewer and the interviewee need to be honest with what they're bringing to the table and whether it's really a fit from the first day. Sure. And along those same lines, as far as selling the company, so to speak, you know, there's a really strong candidate they've had their eye on this person, whatever the case may be. I mean, is there a time where it is appropriate to so-called sell the company and really, um, you know, put it in such a positive light because you really want this candidate? I think that happens towards the end. I think the initial interview or two or the initial phone interview and then in-person interview is really about assessing whether it's a fit for both players to make sure that the, that the person has the skills, the competencies, and goals that fit with the organization and the organization's needs, and that the employer is able to deliver what they're promising. And then toward the end, they're able to get more into the details of maybe vacation or some benefits or the future for that person without Mm overpromising. 
In terms of the kind of the like we do here, a conversational flow, you know, a lot of um, candidates might say, oh, it felt like an interrogation. And obviously, to a certain extent, it is in the in the general term of getting questions asked of you. But do you see it as important or how important would you place this as far as making it a conversation versus a Q&A or how some candidates might see it as an interrogation? Um, I think it needs to be both. I think that the interviewer really has a job to do to try to get the most information, valuable information to make a good decision as to whether the candidate is qualified for the position and a good fit. But I think it's also up to the interviewer to help that person feel comfortable and relaxed so that they can get beneath the answers to get a little bit more of a feel for personality, style, um, will they get along with different people in the organization as well. So I think it needs to be a balance. Okay. I like how you brought that up where in the course of a conversation, that's generally where you'll you'll hear more about the person, a, a real personality, and, and get to the kind of the meat and potatoes of them as opposed to you know, a stock answer about the company or whatever. Right. So with that, besides just the interview questions and the conversations, some places, some industries are kind of interested in seeing, make sure you can do something, whether it be an activity or two. Do you see that as a important part or as a more important part now to have a candidate try their hand at a couple things, maybe do like a half a day of activities that they would do in a regular job just to really gauge are they capable, whether it be as a person or skill-wise? I think that that's helpful in some positions. Uh, My experience has been in higher level positions. Sometimes there is even a full day assessment and there are some uh, psychological assessments and some technical assessments to see if the person has the skills or has problem solving ability. Um, If it's something along the lines more like an assembly position, that's also helpful. But you need to be sure that the test or any kind of structured uh, activity actually relates to the position. And some tests, you need to be sure that they're valid, that they're validated so that they don't um, unintentionally exclude people who are in a protected category. So would you in general prefer to see that? I mean, if you were looking to hire somebody... I mean, it could even be something as even a sales position where you kind of throw them into the fire, so to speak, see how they handle it. I mean, I know you said it's going to depend on the company, the industry, um, but in general, is that seen as maybe a more common practice or something that employers are a little more interested in to make sure they have the right person? Yes, yes. Usually usually at about a second interview, probably maybe a role play or maybe some type of test. But again, it needs to be valid and needs to be related to the position. There's also an issue if it is some type of um, physical activity that the candidate needs to be offered the opportunity to have accommodations if they need that, even to do the test. Okay. Now, within that interview, you obviously have things like um, their work experience that you know. You may gather just how well they speak and communicate. So inside that interview, uh, when you're trying to determine things about a candidate, what characteristics Is it important to try to gather from them, whether it be um, their personality or even little parts of their communication skills? What can you really try to get out from them character-wise? Character-wise, you're really looking at different behaviors, different competencies that fit the position. So uh, my first starting point is always to put together a job description, to create a job description that accurately reflects the position and then say what competencies, what skills, what knowledge does someone need to be successful? So when we look at competencies, those could be what, what we sometimes call soft skills. So it could be 
teamwork, managing others, getting results through others, and then asking good behavioral interview questions to get to the information as far as when have they demonstrated that skill before. Sure. Now, on the flip side then, are there things that an interviewer really shouldn't try to ascertain as far as, you know, it could be little things of they're fidgeting, so that means they're not confident, or uh, and those could be valuable things to try to learn, but are there certain things that maybe are unfair to try to you know, get from somebody in just an interview setting? I think it is certainly um, anything that's protected by any law. Again, um, you know, ethnicity, race, age, religion, anything like that cannot be asked legally, but also not to assume, not to assume that if someone has their arms folded that they're angry. You know, it could be that they're cold, it could be anything. So just trying to get to really the heart of the matter by asking, asking good questions, or even picking up on if someone's nervous, say, you know, do you need a minute? Or sometimes I'll introduce the behavioral interview process and say, these are questions that you may not have an answer to right off the top of your head. If you need a minute to think of an answer, that's fine. If you'd like for me to reword it or ask a different related question, I can certainly do that. So helping them to feel comfortable so that they can be as successful as they're going to be. In your opinion then, and, and you know, it could be from your experience or from talking with you know, just people throughout the industry, Things like body language or trying to determine confidence, um, you know, engagement of the person. You, you mentioned like folding the arms doesn't necessarily, you know, a lot of times in body language, they say that means you're not open. You're, you know, you, you may not be happy about something. Is that overvalued in the interview setting? Is it undervalued? I guess what, what have you kind of experienced or in talking with other people about the idea of body language and, and those intangibles? It's very important. It's very important that people come across as professional interested, uh, making eye contact, using appropriate language. Uh, what I have found is, is once in a while if someone is too comfortable, they may curse, they may say things that they wouldn't have said earlier in the interview. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of really um, remembering that you're in an interview through the entire process and being confident without being overconfident. So th- those are important as well. You know, earlier you touched on you know, legal questions that, that can't be asked. But in fairness to people who do, you know, apply for jobs and are in interviews, uh, what about an interviewer trying to maybe get that information in a way that isn't illegal per se? But the example I had down was uh, to ask somebody, describe a typical day if you're not working. And the reason this comes up is this might help the interviewer find out if that person's married, if they have kids, if they have other things that are going on in their lives. I mean, is that something you would advise against doing? Is that an acceptable strategy because it's fair for the employer to know what's going on in their life? I guess How do you kind of approach that where they're not asking those questions direct, but maybe they're trying to find something out, you know, in a roundabout way? I think that's one of those situations where the interviewer really needs to figure out what are they trying to get at. So if they're really trying to get at, does this person have children, um, that's inappropriate Mm -hmm. and shouldn't relate to the position. If they're trying to figure out, and sometimes um, interviewers make this connection, is the person reliable? Okay. So they may say, well, if this person has children, I I may be afraid that they have to leave early or something like that. Then they should be asking behavioral questions about being reliable. Okay. You know, tell me about a time when you needed to pitch in for a coworker, or tell me, you know, even tell me how many times you were absent last year, or tell me about a time when we a company really needed to rely on you to go above and beyond. Sure. And then get to again, what was the challenge? What was the action? What were their thoughts? What was the outcome? To really get into the competency and not all the other pieces that people inaccurately relate together. That's good advice. 
Now, I don't know how much you're able to talk to somebody like after an interview or or just in general conversation, but from maybe what you have thought about when you've talked to people, what type of complaints or concerns would there be with an interviewer? Say a candidate went in and after the interview, you know, they just had something to complain about or something that they were concerned of. What, what do you think people would point to or maybe something you've heard? Um, I would say that many interviewers are not prepared. Either they haven't been trained, um, they might be nervous, they might be pulled into an interview and they weren't ready for it, even if they are a, a talented or an experienced interviewer. So they may not be prepared. So I've heard that, that um, the person I interviewed with was unprepared. I seemed to be leading the whole thing. I was asking them questions. They weren't asking me any type of good questions. It might be that they don't know the job. They might just be pulled in because that's the person who's available. So if the candidate is asking questions specific to the job, the interviewer can't answer them. Could be that they made discriminatory remarks or even comments that could be taken that way. So for example, um, I've worked with companies, coached people, not to say things like, well, what kind of last name is that? <laughs> or even, um, you know, I see you have a cross around your neck. Oh, you wow. know, what church do you belong to? Um, it could be what the interviewer sees as small talk. Sure. The candidate may not be hearing it that way. So it's about really being prepared and ready and being able to lead the interview and get the most information, making it worthwhile for both, both parties. Right, right. As an interviewer, you know, you have, say you have two, three people come in to interview for a position. You see them as kind of neck and neck in terms of experience, skills, that kind of thing. What are you then looking for as far as deciding factors in those interviews um, in really determining, you know, best fit or why, despite this person having a little more experience, this person fits us better, fits the job profile better. What, what kind of determining factors in the interview are you looking at? Um, there are a couple of factors. Obviously, as you said, knowledge, skills, abilities, that kind of thing comes first. Um, but then is it a fit for the organization as far as where that position might be going? So if it's a position that's going to be remaining pretty much the same, the same or stagnant for the next three years, you don't want to hire someone who is really ready to move ahead, wants to make a lot of changes. If that's not the culture of the organization, the person's not going to be a fit. So I um, have worked with people who have been hired into positions that were open to change. We're looking to change our processes. We're looking for best practices. And they hire someone who is able to do that. And what they find is that really was not the case. No one is really open to change there. So that's part of the fit piece. But also, if it is a position that is going to grow, is going to change, you're looking for someone who's future thinking to hire someone who's willing to do that and who's open to change and who has that kind of strategic mindset. And, you know, we kind of talked about in the beginning as far as first impressions go and how you dress or, you know, just appearance in general. I know it's a slippery slope and we've talked, I've talked with various people who have maybe been in this position of um, appearance being a factor one way or the other. And Maybe so in some more places where it's outside sales where you're actually, you know, interacting with people a lot. Does that ever become a factor? I mean, even if it's just an impression or a gut instinct of, you know, this person just fits better. Again, I know it's a slippery slope. I understand that, you know, anytime you're talking about age or appearance, but just kind of your general thoughts and maybe the cautions for an interviewer looking at appearance as some sort of factor. Um, it really needs to be based on the position, again. Um, so professionalism, 
Also, if there's any question about physical ability, mm-hmm. the question needs to come with, are you able to do this job? Here's what it entails, with or without accommodation. So that's required. But it's about really being professional, I think, and dressing appropriate for the position. So, for example, um, when I worked at a manufacturing environment, uh, we would all dress very casually, wear jeans. When I was interviewing candidates, I would dress up. My expectation was candidates would dress up. Sure. And when they didn't, they were very surprised to see that the people they were interviewing with, who already worked in the organization, were dressed more professionally than they were. So it's a matter of really dressing. It's still an interview, and you're not in the position yet. Right. And then we've heard that, actually, in another conversation we had, that it's important to remember the people interviewing you, they have a job. Mm-hmm. You don't have that position right. yet. So no, that's a key point of advice. Really, to kind of wrap things up, give a, a summary um, you know, on your thoughts based on your experience, what would be kind of that biggest piece of advice you would give to an interviewer just to make sure that they are effectively conducting that interview and truly finding the best candidate for that position for that company? Um, I would say start with the job description. Determine the competencies that you need. Um, Use behavioral interviewing. Ask people for very specific times that they've demonstrated a certain skill. Document your answers because you will certainly need that and be sure that your questions are job-related and legal. Well, unfortunately, that will do it for us today here on Nobody's Perfect. I'd like to thank you once again, Dawn Adams from HR Results, for helping us kind of tiptoe around the potential pitfalls as an interviewer. Um, It was really great to have you in today. Thank you very much. And for all you listeners, please be sure to keep checking into localjobnetwork.com radio and continue your learning process. If you do have any comments or suggestions, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Tim Muma, and I hope to talk to you again soon.